it is. So First Timothy chapter number four, and also if you will uh, turn to Luke chapter number two. First Timothy chapter number four, and then also Luke chapter number two. We're going to read verse twelve in First Timothy chapter four, and then we're going to jump over to Luke chapter number two. We'll spend the majority of our time uh, in the book of Luke. And um, uh, I heard about a man and his wife uh, that, who uh, had turned sixty. Uh, on the exact same day, they, sh- they shared the exact same birthday. And they had been married for a number of years, and uh, they turned 60 at that same uh, day. And an angel came along and gave them one wish, one wish. He turns to uh, the woman, the angel does, and asks her, uh, Ma'am, uh, I'll give you anything you want, anything in the world. What would you like? And so the wife says to the angel, she says, Well, I'd like to have a trip around the world. A trip around the world. That'd be nice, amen, a trip around the world. And so uh, she says, we've not seen much of the world, and I'd like to see uh, the, 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 as much of the world as I possibly can. And, and I'd like an all-expense-paid trip around the world. And so uh, suddenly, poof, just like that, the angel uh, gave her in her hands. She had uh, tickets for a, a round-trip tickets for an all-expense-paid trip around the world. And she was just amazed by that and so he turns the angel does turns to the man uh, both his husband and wife turning 60 on the same day same birthday and he saw what the angel did for his wife and so the angel turns to him and says "Uh, sir uh, i'll grant you one wish i'll grant you one request what would you like and uh, the man says well i'd like my wife to be 30 years younger than me 30 years younger than me typical male of course and poof just like that he turned 90 Amen. <laughs> Be careful what you ask for. Amen. Be very specific when you're making a request. Amen. Uh, amen. Well, needless to say, I got to tell at least one joke to, to break the ice, to get everyone to just kind of relax a little bit. First uh, Timothy chapter number four and look at verse number 12, if you will. First Timothy chapter number four. Verse 12 is a scripture uh, song that we just sang. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Be thou an example. The title of the message this evening is Be Thou an Example. Now, this is a type of verse, we're going to get to Luke 2 here in just a minute, but this is the type of verse uh, that you normally hear uh, preached or, or taught uh, at a youth event or a teen event. Uh, usually it's preached to young people, fo- folks that are not even yet adults, but uh, we understand that this verse, of course, does apply to young people, but it applies to all people. Uh, it applies to those that are not uh, necessarily adults yet, uh, but it also applies to th- those who are adults and those who have been adults for a long time. Amen. Uh, and so just like the joke about the angel and the husband and the wife, some of us have been adults uh, a long time. And so uh, the Bible teaches us that we are to be an example no matter what stage of life we're in. Uh, whether we're uh, young people in elementary school or whether we're uh, teenagers or whether we're in our 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, or 70s, whatever uh, age group we find ourselves in, we should all be an example of the believers. And hopefully uh, we'll get uh, a message this evening that will be an encouragement to you tonight. Uh, let's bow together for a prayer and we'll get into the message tonight. Father, we love you. And Lord, we do thank you again for your word. Lord, we thank you for this church and Lord, for these people. And, I, and Lord, we just pray tonight that you would meet with us. We 
We do feel that you have met with us the previous meetings we've had in this revival conference. And Lord, we just ask now that you would meet with us once again. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would have free reign here in this place. And Lord, that you would uh, uh, give to us exactly what we need for our lives. Help us to uh, not only uh, want to be an example, but Lord, help us to see how to be an example to others and to other believers in particular. Lord, bless us tonight as we delve into your word. Lord, give us exactly what we need to be more like your son. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I remember the very first time that I preached a sermon. And uh, I'll be honest with you, I can't remember exactly how old I was. I was probably right around 20, 21 years old, the very first time that I preached a sermon. Uh, And do do you all have any rescue missions uh, anywhere near here in this area? Uh, Are there some around here? Okay. Uh, Well, in Baltimore, uh, there's the Baltimore Rescue Mission. And the church that I was a a member of uh, for 16 years was Rosedale Baptist Church. That's where Pastor Lejeune and I had met. And so I was just a young man. I had only been saved a couple of years. And uh, the church there had a ministry to the Baltimore Rescue Mission. And so uh, I think one Friday out of the month or maybe I'm pretty sure it was one Friday out of the month. They would send a group of of representatives from the church down to the rescue mission uh, to preach, to encourage, to love on, to bless those uh, those men. This was a, a man's rescue mission, men that were there. And I, to be honest with you, I didn't even really know what a rescue mission was until I had become a member of that church and started helping out with that ministry. I remember I would go and I would just be there to support and to help and encourage. And one day, one of the men that was overseeing that ministry, he asked me, he says, Pedro, would you like to preach a sermon? And I thought, you're asking the wrong guy. (laughs) I have no idea how to say anything. And at that time, I was scared to death to get in front of anyone, uh, let alone a bunch of adult men uh, who were struggling with addictions and all kinds of other problems. And so finally, they uh, they uh, convinced me that, hey, you just you don't need to be eloquent. You don't need to be you know, you don't need to know the Bible all that well. Just be an encouragement to them. And I thought, you know, I'll give it a shot. I'll give it a shot. I remember uh, we went down to the Baltimore Rescue Mission. It was a Friday night. Uh, I had never been to a rescue mission uh, uh, prior to going to that church. And so this was still a new experience for me. And uh, I didn't know exactly what I was going to say. And uh, I didn't know exactly. uh, I don't remember the exact text. I I think I may have preached on the prodigal son, to be quite honest with you. I'm not 100 percent sure. But I know I had about 15 pages of notes and I was done in about five minutes. (laughs) You all know what I'm talking about? (laughs) I mean, I thought I had a whole lot to say, and it went by real quick. And so uh, that was my first experience with preaching uh, a sermon. Uh, eventually, of course, the Lord matured us and the Lord grew us and we learned and we grew and uh, we figured out how to how to not you know take, have 15 pages of notes in five minutes. Uh, and eventually I did teach a, a young uh, seventh and eighth grade boys class and I matured and grew from that point on. But I also remember the first time that I preached a sermon uh, at Rosedale Baptist Church in the auditorium in place of the pastor. Now, years have gone by at this point, and I've taught a young kids class, and eventually I was able to teach an adult Sunday school class or an adult life group, as we would call it here at White Oak. And so I had taught that for about a year or so, maybe yeah, right around a year, and the pastor was going on vacation, and he asked me to fill the pulpit on Wednesday. Man, I was scared to death. I was terrified. Now, I wasn't quite as terrified as I was years prior when I preached at the rescue mission, but I was still terrified. I had never preached behind the sacred desk. Y'all know what I'm saying? It was scary. 
As a matter of fact, I don't know if, if Pastor Lejeune was there at the time, but I know his family was there. And I'll tell you why. Because I preached on the topic, how to be a success. You know, because I was, you know, I was very, very well versed in that. You know, I was a grand success uh, at all of 25, 26 years old. You know, I had, I had life all figured out, you know. And uh, so I preached on how to be a success. And I remember I went through that message. And, and yes, it, it wasn't 15 pages of notes. It took five minutes. Obviously, I did a little bit better than that. Uh, but I got down from the pulpit. And after I was all done, Miss Sherry Lejeune, pastor's mom, she comes up to me and she says, you know, Brother Morales, that was pretty good. And y'all ever met Miss Sherry? Amen. Y'all have met Miss Sherry, right? Okay. Uh, wonderful lady. Uh, God bless her. She said, that was really good, but you never taught us how we could be a success. <laughs> and I said, well, Miss Sherry, I'm so sorry. I did the best I could. <laughs> I did the best I could. And, and you know, Miss Sherry had a way of just telling it to you, you know, just, you know, telling to you straight. And, and I thank the Lord for that because, again, uh, failure is a part of success. Uh, and sometimes you got to fall flat and sometimes you got to make mistakes and sometimes you got to kind of embarrass yourself a little bit so you can learn and you can grow and you can get better uh, at whatever the Lord has called you to do. And we see here uh, that the Apostle Paul is addressing Timothy. Timothy is a young man at this time. Now, uh, when we say a young man, uh, this is relative, of course, because uh, it's, it's hard to serve the Lord when you're young, when people don't think that you can. They don't think that you know enough. They don't think that you're mature enough. You're, you're still green. You're still wet behind the ears. You don't know enough, and it's good to have someone put their faith in you. It's good to have someone trust you to minister to people. And so um, it, it, it's, it's Paul here taking to task that whole mentality of some people are too young or some people are too old or some people are too immature or some people don't know enough. Uh, he's taking that philosophy to task and he says to Timothy, let no man despise thy youth. Don't let anyone tell you that you can't serve God. Don't let anyone tell you that you can't do something for the kingdom of God. In the context of, of what he wrote here, uh, the term youth uh, was considered to be uh, the, uh, of anyone of military age. Anyone of military age. Now, a man back then was of military age for the Roman army uh, through the age of 40. And so uh, this not, doesn't necessarily only apply to uh, the elementary age kids or the teenagers or the young adults. No, this applies to everyone. Every single one of us is to be an example of the believers, not just the young people, uh, not just the elderly folks, not just the old saints, the senior saints, but every single one of us is to be an example. Evidently, at some point, there were, there were some who would take uh, or make Timothy feel as though uh, he wasn't mature enough. He could not do what God had called him to do. Paul told him, don't let anyone, no one stop you. From doing what God has called you to do. You see, don't let people tell you that you can't be used in ministry. Uh, don't let people tell you that you can't be used for the work of God because of whatever reason. Because of your past. Because of your age. Uh, because of your history. Uh, because of whatever the case may be. Don't let anyone stop you. Don't let anyone criticize you. Listen, the, the, the whole thing, the whole crux of the matter is not for us to let folks dis- deter us from serving God, but also not for us to get in a verbal argument with them either. 
It's not for, well, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you why I can serve God and explain to you why God's called me to do this and, and I'm going to set you straight and I'm going to put you in your place. He says, don't do that. Don't let any man despise thy youth. I have noticed that as people get older, they no longer have the courage to step out by faith. Not all, but lots of folks. And uh, their lives become so busy and so uh, filled with other responsibilities that it gets too complicated. And, and they don't step out by faith and serve the Lord. Too often I hear people say, uh, well, first I have to take care of this. And first I have to do that. And, and, but what happens is that instead of serving the Lord after they take care of those things, uh, they let years slip by and they miss opportunities to serve the Lord. First Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12 says, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example. Be thou an example in what you say, in how you act, uh, in your love, in your purity, uh, in, your, in, your, in, in your lifestyle. Be an example to the believers. But again, he says, don't let anyone stop you. Don't let anyone uh, hinder you. Uh, George Washington Gothels was the man, uh, uh, General George Washington Gothels was the man who was in charge of the project to build the Panama Canal. George Washington Gothels uh, undertook this great task. Uh, and, and at first, you know, things went smooth, but uh, eventually uh, the newspapers and eventually the media started to criticize him uh, and criticize the labor force and criticize the work and, and how much was being spent. And, and it was a waste of time and it's, it's never going to work. And, and they're wasting money and, and they need to quit doing this. And eventually some of his workers went to him. Uh, General Gothels, General Gothels, have you seen, have you read what the papers are saying? And, of course, this is way before the Internet, way before all of those things. And have you seen what the papers are saying? And, and he says, yeah, yes, I've seen it. I, I, I've read that. And his, his employees, his workers, they said, General Gothels, are you going to respond? Are you going to respond to the critics, to the attacks? He says, oh, yes, absolutely, I'm going to respond. And a few weeks went by, the, the labor force, the, the workers, they left. They felt satisfied that he was going to take care of that. And a few more weeks went by and more criticisms and, and more attacks and, and more people saying it's a waste of time. They shouldn't even do it. They should quit trying. And eventually they went back to him. General Gothels, they're still criticizing. General Gothels, they're still uh, attacking. They're still saying this is a waste of time. Uh, General Gothels, are you going to respond? You promised that you would. You said you would respond. Uh, And he says, yes, I promise you, I am going to respond to the critics. The workers, perplexed, they said, how are you going to respond? What are you going to do? How are you going to stop them from attacking General George Washington Gothel said, I'm going to respond to the critics by building the Panama Canal. By building the Panama Canal. In other words, I'm not going to let the critics, I'm not going to let uh, the attackers, I'm not going to let the naysayers, I'm not going to let them stop me from doing what I know I'm supposed to be doing. Let no man despise thy youth. Let no man despise thy elderliness or thy age. Let no man despise thy past. Let no man despise you, but be thou an example. Uh, Prove to them that God, uh, that you're submitting to the Lord, that you're serving the Lord by your speech, by your purity, by your love, by your faith, by your conduct. 
And so there are six characteristics that will silence the critics, that will silence the naysayers, uh, that will shut them up. Uh, and listen, uh, when they think that it can't be done, when they think it's impossible, God can't use us, God can't use you, there are six characteristics that we see here in First Timothy chapter 4. Now, uh, turn over to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter number 2. Those six characteristics that we saw in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12, we see the Lord Jesus Christ himself exemplifying all six of these characteristics. And listen, let's make sure we understand. The Lord Jesus Christ in Luke chapter 2 is displaying all six of these characteristics and he's 12 years old. He's 12 years old. Now I understand he's the God man. I get that. I understand that he's God in the flesh. I understand that. But he's 100% God and 100% man. And so he did this in spite of the fact that he still had to deal uh, with the same temptations that you and I have to deal with. And so we must decide that we're going to be an example, point number one, point number one, in your speech. Be thou an example in your speech. All right, in First Timothy 4.12, let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in word. Look at Luke chapter 2 and verse number 46. Verse number 46. And it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. Both hearing them and asking them Questions. Now, notice here that the Lord Jesus Christ was not preaching to the elders in the temple. Uh, Notice here that the Lord Jesus Christ is listening to the elders in the temple and he's asking them questions. He's being respectful. Listen, if we want to be an example of the believers, then we're going to learn to not only be respectful to others, but also we have to learn uh, to listen more than we talk. You ever notice that God gave us two ears and one mouth? Amen. Most of us anyway, right? Okay, we have two ears and one mouth. God expects us to listen twice as much as we talk. And we must be an example. If we're going to uh, shut the mouths of the critics, of the naysayers, of those that are attacking, we must be an example in our words, in our speech. Uh, You might think, well, uh, maybe you're older. You say, well, I know more than them. You think the Lord Jesus Christ knew more than the elders in the temple? He's the God man. He knew it all. He knew more than them, and yet he did not respond curtly to them. Uh, he was listening to them. He was asking them questions. Listen, even if you know more than the other person, it's still respectful for you to hear them out. George Washington, uh, our, our, our first president of the United States, not the same guy as that, that built the Panama Canal, uh, he said this, when a younger man and an older man are conversing, they're talking, the older man must never forget, or never mention rather, that he is older, but the younger man must never forget it. The older man must have said, listen, son, uh, you don't know what you're talking about. Uh, you need to be quiet. You haven't been around long enough. I- I've had many people say those things to me. Well, you're just, you're just, I have people say to me all the time, you're just a baby. And I say, well, hold on, let me go get my bottle out of my diaper bag. Give me a second. You know what I'm saying? You're just a baby. You're only 44 years old. You're just a baby. And I say, I had no choice when I was born, okay? And neither did you. Let's show each other some respect. And let's make sure that we listen and we ask questions and we talk and we converse and we be an example of the believers 
in our speech. In the way that we talk to one another. Don't talk down to people. Don't, uh, don't, don't be condescending towards others. Man, be respectful. Uh, be kind. Be loving to those people. The Lord Jesus Christ knew more than the elders in the temple, and yet he listened to them. The Lord Jesus Christ was much wiser than the elders in the temple, and yet he engaged in meaningful conversation with them for days. Uh, let's make sure that we're an example of the believers in our speech, in our words. Number two. Be thou an example in your speech. Number two, be thou an example in your conduct, in your conduct. First Timothy chapter four, verse 12, be thou an example of the believers in conversation. If you know the the Bible word conversation, it's more than just what we say. It's the way we behave. It's our mannerisms. It's our lifestyle. And Luke chapter number two, verse number 46, look at it again. Luke chapter 2, verse 46, we see the Lord exemplifying, uh, having uh, the right example in his speech. And now we see him having a good example in his conduct. Look at verse 46. And it came to pass that after three days, after three days, they found him, they found him in the temple. They found him in the temple. Uh, Notice Joseph and Mary had traveled for three days. And didn't notice that the Lord Jesus Christ was not with them in their party. And they said, wait a second, where is Jesus? We, we need to go back and find him. And when they went to go look for him, they found him where? In the temple. In the temple. You know, I wonder sometimes if, if one of us was, uh, was maybe missing for a time and our family said, man, I, I, I can't find so-and-so. Where are they? I wonder if someone would say, well, they're probably down at the church helping out the preacher. Man, they're probably down at the church, man, doing some work at the church. Man, they're probably down at the church. Uh, maybe they're over there just being a help, being a blessing. Man, I know their, their custom. I know their behavior. And they like to spend time at the church. I, they're probably down at the church. Listen, would someone look for you at church if you were missing? Would someone look for you at, at the place where, where God is worshipped if they could not find you? The question on the floor this evening is, what do you do with your free time? Where do you go? The Lord Jesus Christ's life centered around the temple. The Lord Jesus Christ's life centered around the things of the kingdom. You see, to the Lord Jesus Christ, this whole thing of serving the Father, serving God, was not a part of his life. It was his life. Listen, is is church just a part of your life? Is, is the Bible just a, a, a fraction, a percentage of your life? Is serving God just a part of your life? Or is serving God what you eat, sleep, and breathe? Man, I can't wait to serve God. I can't wait to go to church. I can't wait to read the Bible. I can't wait to pray. I can't wait to spend time with God's people. I can't wait to sing His praises. I can't wait to go soul winning. Here's a good one. I can't wait to tithe. Ain't nobody amening on that one, right? <laughs> I can't wait To do something for the kingdom of God. You see, when we first get saved, when we get saved and and we realize that we've we've been transferred from darkness to light, that now we're no longer going to hell, we're going to heaven. Man, it's exciting. I mean, we can't wait to go to church. We can't wait to crack open the Bible. We can't wait to hand out a tract. We can't wait to uh, invite someone to church. But eventually that starts to wane. That goes away a little bit. The excitement goes away. Uh, All the the zeal seems to disappear. Hey, listen, be thou an example of the believers in conversation, in your conduct, 
in the way you behave yourself. I like this verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse number 15. The Bible says, I beseech you, brethren, ye know the house of Stephanus, that it is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have, listen now, listen, they have addicted themselves to the ministry. They have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. Stephanus and his family were the first fruits. They were the first ones saved in Achaia. And uh, that's, that's where Corinth was found. That province, that's where Corinth was located. And Paul said that he had baptized the whole household of, uh, of Stephanus in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 16. Uh, then he says in uh, verse 15 of chapter 16, they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. In other words, the most important thing to them, Stephanus and his household, his family, the most important thing to them was serving God. Serving God. Listen, I've seen Christians that have addicted themselves, but not to the ministry to the saints. I've seen way too many Christians that have addicted themselves to everything but the work of the Lord. I've seen Christians that prioritize their recreation above service to God. I've seen Christians that prioritize uh, sports above their service to God. And that's where I say, oh, me instead of amen, because that's where I lie. That, that's my vice. That's my sin, my besetting sin. And listen, I've seen Christians that addict themselves to the television more than serving God. I've seen Christians that addict themselves to their spouses more than to the Lord. I've seen Christians that addict themselves to their jobs more than to serving the Lord. I've seen Christians also that addict themselves to vacations. Ouch. More than serving the Lord. Uh, they, I've seen Christians that addict themselves to cars more than serving God. I've seen Christians that addict themselves to, you ready now? Hunting more I ain't stepping on no toes, am I? Uh, to hunting more than the service to God. Would to God that we would have Christians today that we could look at them and their family and say, man, they're addicted to the ministry. Man, they're addicted to serving the Lord. Man, they can't wait to serve God. In their lifestyle, it is obvious that if we can't find them, man, we go look for them at church. They'll be serving the Lord somehow, some way. Listen, if we decide that church will have priority over sports, over fishing, over hunting, over car collecting, over TV, uh, over recreation, over vacation. Listen, sit back and watch God do something miraculous. Sit back and watch God do something tremendous. Hey, listen, y'all know that this life that we have here is short. We don't have a long time. Let's make sure that we that we. Make the most of the time we have here for the kingdom of God. I don't know about you, but I'm 44 years old and I think, man, I got saved at 18. I wish, I wish that I had gotten saved sooner. Anybody else like me? I wish that I had gotten saved younger. I wish that I hadn't wasted my teenage years living for self, living for sin, living for pleasure. I wish that I hadn't. But listen, I can't go back and change that. I can't change those years. I can't redo those years. But I can change the future. I can change my future. I can change the decisions I make tomorrow. I can change the decisions I make tonight. I can addict myself to God and to his word and to his work right now. Right now. Be thou an example in your speech. Be thou an example in your conduct. Number three. Be thou an example in your love. 
in your love. 1 Timothy 4.12 again says, be thou an example uh, in charity, in charity. Look at Luke chapter 2 and verse number 48. Verse number 48. The Bible says, and when they saw him, they traveled back, they, they went to the temple, and when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, how is it that ye sought me? Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? And they understood not the saying which he spake unto them. Notice what's happening here. Mary and Joseph, they go, they travel back. They find him in the temple. They're amazed. They're startled. They say, hey, uh, son, where you been? What, what are you doing? We've been looking for you. We've been sorrowing. Man, we were worried about you. And he says, how is it that you sought me? I wish you not that I must be about my father. Notice here that the Lord Jesus Christ, he could have been short with Mary. Uh, uh, he could have said, uh, she said, thy father and I have sought thee. He could have said, Joseph's not my father. He could have said that. I know many teenagers that, that treat their parents that way. He could have said, Joseph's not my father. Uh, don't you know I have more important things to take care of? But he didn't do that. Uh, He didn't treat them that way. Uh, He corrected Mary. He corrected her, but he corrected her tenderly. He corrected her gently because he loved her. You see, uh, so much so that when he corrected them, neither Joseph nor Mary were offended by what he said. Uh, They weren't upset. They weren't mad. They weren't uh, in an uproar because he was so gentle and so kind with them. You know, the Lord Jesus Christ didn't say to Mary, and let me clarify something with you, Mary. Uh, Let me set you straight. Uh, He simply spoke truth, and then he backed off. He simply spoke truth, and then he backed off. Mary and Joseph didn't understand exactly what he was saying, uh, but the Lord Jesus Christ did not press the point. He didn't force them to understand. He didn't force them to accept what he was saying. He didn't force them uh, to, to agree with what he was saying. He said it, and he backed off. His love for them didn't cause him to be kind, to be gentle, to be considerate. His love for them caused him to not set them straight and put them in their place and correct them uh, real curtly and, and nastily. And he was loving. He was gracious. Second Timothy 2.24, the Bible says, And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, patient. Hey, be thou an example, whether you're young, whether you're not so young, whether you're in the middle, be thou an example. Be thou an example in your words. Be thou an example in your conduct. Be thou an example in your love. Number four. Number four. Be thou an example in your spirit. In your spirit. First Timothy chapter four and verse 12 says, be thou an example of the, of the believers in spirit. In spirit. Look at Luke chapter two and verse 49. Luke chapter two and verse 49. And he, the Lord Jesus Christ, said unto them, Joseph and Mary, how is it that ye sought me? Wish ye not that, now look at what he says, these next three words. I must be. I must be about my father's business. Notice here that the Lord Jesus Christ did not say, I'll try to be about my father's business. Notice here that the Lord Jesus Christ did not say, well, I should be about my father's business. Y'all with me tonight? Notice here that the Lord Jesus Christ did not say, I want to be about my father's father's business. No, 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 no. He said, I must, I must, 
I must do this. I must accomplish the Lord's will. I must serve the Lord. I must, I must, I must. You see, we got too many Christians that say, well, I would like to be. I would like to serve. Man, if I have time, I'll serve. Man, it sure sounds good for me to go to church. Man, that's a good idea. Maybe we should do that eventually, at some point, if I find time. Oh, no, no, no. The Lord Jesus Christ's spirit was, I'm going to do it no matter what. I must do it. He had a no-quit attitude. He had a no-quit spirit. He says, I am going to do this, my father's business. Luke chapter 4, verse 43, the Lord said, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, for therefore am I sent. Now he said to Nicodemus in John chapter 3 and verse 14, as the Moses lifted up, or excuse me, as the, as Moses was lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. I must preach. I must be lifted up. I must complete the Father's will. He goes on to say in, in John chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, He left Judea and departed again into Galilee, and He must needs go through Samaria. The Lord Jesus Christ took this thing about completing the Father's will as something deadly serious. He didn't play church. He didn't play Christianity. This was not something that was convenient for him. This was not something, well, if I find time and, and if I can fit it in my schedule, if I'm not too busy, if I don't have to work overtime. Oh, no, no, listen to me. He said, I must. And may, may we have some Christians that say, I must. I must go to church. I, I must be involved. I must give. I must serve. I must pray. I must read. I must love my wife. I must love my kids. I must honor the pastor. I must love the Lord. I must, I must, I must. Y'all with me tonight? The Lord Jesus Christ had a spirit that said, I must honor the Lord. I must fulfill his will. Man, would to God that we have more Christians like that. And you show me a, a daddy who says that family devotions are not an option. We must have family devotions. Hey, show me a teenager who says, listen, if the game, uh, if the ball game interferes uh, with my time at church, I'm not going to go to the game. I must go to church. Hey, you show me a man, a woman, a boy or a girl or a married couple like that. And I'll show you people that God will use in a tremendous way. Because they must. They have a spirit of excellence. They have a spirit of devotion to God. Uh, It's not, man, I have to do this. I have to do that. No, no, no. It's I get to do this. I must do this. I must honor my Lord and Savior with my life. Uh, Everybody with me tonight? Uh, Be thou an example. Hey, you want to shut the mouths of the critics? Hey, you want to stop the naysayers? Hey, you want to stop people from attacking and saying you can and you shouldn't and why are you? Listen, be an example. Be thou an example uh, in your speech, in your conduct, in your love, in your spirit. The Lord Jesus Christ exemplified every single one of these characteristics. And he did so as a 12-year-old. As a 12-year-old. Uh, let's look at the next one. Let's look at uh, number, uh, number five. Number five. Uh, be thou an example in your faith. In your faith. First Timothy chapter four, verse number 12 says, be thou an example of the believers in faith. In faith. Look at Luke chapter two and verse 51. Verse number 51. The Bible says, and he went down with them. 
He, the Lord Jesus Christ, went down with them, Joseph and Mary, and came to Nazareth. And look at this next phrase. And was subject unto them. He went down with them. He submitted himself to them. He was subject unto them. Listen, he subordinated himself to them. Here is the creator of the universe. Here is the ultimate authority submitting himself to these subordinate authorities. Here is God in the flesh submitting himself to his mom and his stepdad, really, here submitting himself to them. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, he says, I choose to submit to you even though you don't understand what I'm saying, even though you don't fully realize who I am, I choose to submit myself to you because I have faith, I have faith in my Father in heaven. Because my Father in heaven has placed me under your care. My Father in heaven has placed me in this family. My Father, I have faith. I have trust in God the Father that this is exactly where I'm supposed to be. It takes faith. It takes faith to submit. You see, uh, the Lord Jesus, again, uh, he is the ultimate authority. He submitted himself to these subordinate authorities. How come we have a hard time submitting to the authorities in our lives. How come we question? And how come we doubt? And how come we have something negative to say? And, and listen, you know why? We don't have faith that God is in charge and he allowed us to be a part of that situation. Whether it's at home, whether it's at work, uh, whether it's in the neighborhood, uh, whether it's your church. Listen, I grew up with a stepdad. As a matter of fact, the first stepdad that I had, uh, I don't consider him my stepdad because he was, he was a, in the drugs and, and he, was, he was a deadbeat and, and he didn't work. And, 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 and listen, I did not like that man. I, I'll be honest with you, I hated him. I couldn't stand him. And listen, let me tell you something. God allowed that man to be in my life. Some bad things happened. Now, I'm not going to disclose all kinds of information. I'm not going to say that I was, you know, attacked or, or abused. But I'm saying I was in a bad situation as a child. Listen, some of you tonight may have, have experienced some bad situations as a child yourself. I think Job is the perfect example of someone who did not deserve to experience what he went through that was negative, that was bad. Would you all agree? And yet God allowed that to happen. You see, everything that you and I go through, everything that you and I experience is filtered through the loving fingers of Almighty God. And if we have a hard time with it, and if we struggle with it, it's because we don't believe that God is doing or did what was best for us. It takes faith. It takes faith to submit. It takes faith uh, to uh, submit ourselves to the authorities that God has placed in our life. Whether at work... Whether at home, whether in school, whether in your marriage, in in, in your church. Listen, the key to submission is faith. The Lord Jesus, by faith, believed that his father had placed him there. Uh, Listen, uh, if we, the key to submission is saying, Lord, I know that you are on the throne and that you placed me in this exact position. And so he was subject unto them and he went down with them. We need, we need to be an example of the believers. Let's be an example of the believers in, in, in speech, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith. Uh, and lastly, number six, number six, in purity. In purity. 
First Timothy chapter four and verse twelve says, "Be thou an example of the believers in purity." I look at Luke chapter two and verse number forty-six. Again, we see the Lord Jesus Christ exemplifying every single one of these characteristics. Look at verse forty-six. The Bible says here, and it came to pass that after three days, after three days, they found him in the temple. And now remember, the Lord Jesus Christ had been away from his family. Uh, his authorities that God had placed over him were not, were not around. He was by himself in the city for three days. For three days by himself in the city. Notice, he didn't go uh, to the club, uh, he didn't go to the saloon, the bar, he didn't go, he went to the temple. He kept himself pure for three days all by himself. The Bible says that he was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. You know, things are done that should not be done sometimes when there's no one around. When we think that we can get away with it. When we think that no one sees. Uh, The eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. Listen, we might be able to uh, uh, have not someone else see, but God always sees. He sees everything that we do. And by the way, not only does God see our actions, he knows our hearts. The Lord Jesus Christ kept himself pure. Uh, He didn't go to some uh, place of sin. Uh, He didn't sneak some vice into his life. Listen, uh, he didn't he didn't click on the invitation that was on that computer screen, so to speak. Uh, He didn't uh, uh, click on that invitation or that picture that was on his cell phone screen, so to speak. Uh, Y'all with me tonight? He kept himself pure. He kept himself pure. He knew that the best place for him to be was at the temple. He knew that the best place and the best thing for him to do was to be around God's people uh, and those that were involved in the kingdom things. He remained pure. Second Timothy chapter 2 and verse 22, the Bible says, flee also youthful lusts. Flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Flee youthful lusts. Follow after righteousness with them. The people you spend time with will affect you. Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 20, the Bible says, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Let's let's quit acting like, oh, that doesn't affect me, or that doesn't impact me, or, or that doesn't do... Listen, it affects us. Who we're with... Who we, who we spend time with, what we watch, what we listen to, what we read, it all impacts us. It all is changing us either for good or for bad. Flee also youthful lusts. How do we do that? It says, with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Now the question is, okay, Pastor Morales, okay, I hear what you're saying. Uh, yes, be an example uh, in speech and conversation and charity and love and purity and faith. I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. Why is that so important? Uh, just so we can, uh, you know, stop the naysayers and stop the attackers. And, and yes, that's one of the reasons, but that's not the only reason. Uh, look at Luke chapter 2 and verse 52. The last verse in the chapter, verse 52. As he exemplified these six characteristics, the Bible says here in verse 52, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor 
with God and man. Hey, you want to have a positive influence in this world? You want to have an influence that impacts the kingdom of God and other people's lives? The only way you're going to do that is by being an example in your words, in your conduct, in your love, in your faith, in your purity, uh, fleeing youthful lusts, following after righteousness. Uh, He increased in his wisdom. He increased in his stature, not just with the Lord, but also his influence on other people. Hey, you want to influence other people for good and for God? Let's be an example. Let's be an example. Let's be an example of godliness. Oh, we're not going to attain it perfectly. I understand that. But let's be an example that the majority of the time that individual loves God, serves God, gives of himself or herself to God. And, And let's be an example of the believers. Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. And you and I can too. The choice is up to us. What are we going to choose? Are we going to choose to live our life our way, the way we want? Or are we going to turn to the Lord and say, I hear what you have to say in your word, Father. And I'm going to attempt by your grace and with your power to be thou an example of the believers. Listen, this doesn't, this doesn't matter if you're a 40-year-old Christian, a 10-year-old Christian, a 30-year-old Christian, an 80 year It doesn't matter. He says, don't let that stop you from being an example of the believers. The choice is ours. Let's bow together for a word of prayer. Father in heaven, Lord, we pray tonight. Lord, we ask you, dear Lord, to help us. Lord, in those times and in those areas of our life where we're not the best example. Where maybe at times, Lord, we might uh, maybe be a bad example. And a bad ambassador and representative of you and of your word and your kingdom. Lord, please forgive us for those times. Help us to do better. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would convict us in such a way that we can't ignore that conviction. We can't run from that conviction. We can't avoid that conviction. Lord, please help us to submit to you. Lord, please speak to us and and, and motivate us, empower us to be the best possible Christian example that we can be. And Lord, we know that if we do that, in speech and in conduct and love and faith and purity and, and all those characteristics, Lord, if we do that, if we follow after righteousness, Lord, that we will increase in wisdom and in stature. Lord, not just with you, but in our influence with other men, women, boys and girls. Lord, help us to influence others for good and for God and for your kingdom. Oh, we love you tonight. We thank you for this time together. In Jesus' name we pray. All our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. If the Lord has spoken to you tonight, uh, we're going to stand in just a moment. We're going to have the piano player play. But if the Lord has spoken to you, listen, now is the time to make a decision. I'm not sure exactly uh, what the Holy Spirit spoke to you in your heart. I know what the Holy Spirit spoke to me in my heart. Listen, God has spoken very clearly. Let's be an example. Uh, Let's choose to be an example to others in, in what we say and how we act, and what we do in our spirit. Let's say I'm determined. I must serve God. I must be in the house of the Lord. I must pray. I must read the word of God. I must witness. Let's decide that we're going to have a no-quit spirit, a no-quit attitude. All heads are bowed. All eyes are closed. Let's all stand to our feet. No one is looking around. All heads bowed. All eyes closed. Let's make decisions for the Lord as the piano player.